2: Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health.
0: We are hour number two on a Buffalo victory Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And as we are usually joined on Mondays by none other than NFL Network analyst, resident member of Bills Mafia, Michael Robinson, who was tweeting furiously yesterday during the game. (laughs) Um, How we doing, Mike? Another win in the books here. Another division win. It's four in a row and they're still atop the AFC. It's a good day. It's a great day. And
2: you know what, guys? What a great win, right? Where you you saw some things that we need to work on, but we still got the win. Those are the best wins in the National Football League. I don't like blowouts, right? I like I like wins where we, you know, we win, but we don't necessarily look, look the best. We can work on some things, right? Keep guys humble and grounded and continue to work for a championship. Man, I love what I'm saying out of these Buffalo Bills, especially out of Josh Allen.
3: Yeah, and Josh, he got off to – the offense got off to a really slow start, like offsides penalties, holding penalties, some incomplete passes, having – really struggling on third down. Uh, they looked – and I said earlier in the show, it looked like they were off for 10 weeks, not 10 days, because they were a little rusty. And then after he ran and flipped over those guys for a third and 16 conversion, he seemed to settle in, and, and the game got a little better for him.
2: Absolutely. And, and again, I know we're a throwing team. We're a passing team. We're a five wide out team. But one of the top plays that I saw, and I think it was in the second quarter, maybe it was just straight up 22 personnel. Devin Singletary went for 16 yards. I, again, I'm not saying that we need to be an offense that consistently puts up 150 yards rushing, even though that would be good. But at the end of the day, you want to protect Josh Allen from himself. He's a big, strong, powerful quarterback quarterback. To me, he's the best quarterback in the National Football League. To a lot of others, he's the best quarterback in the National Football League, and he can do so much, but sometimes he tries to put too much on his shoulders. If you have a running game that is functioning, that is uh, operating in situational football, you don't necessarily have to make Josh Allen feel like he has to put so much on himself, and then he can be MVP Josh Allen.
0: All right, so let's talk about that a little bit more, Mike, because I feel like there are times where – Josh's competitive fire almost gets the best of him. And what I mean by that is, you know, he's looking to get it all in one play instead of just keeping the offense on schedule. And I thought yesterday against a, what I would call a top shelf defensive line of the jets staying on schedule was important because you don't want to be putting your offensive line in a situation where you're in third and long and they got to hold up against those guys. Cause it, it, it proved problematic yesterday as we saw. So as a coach, like if you're Ken Dorsey, I, I, and I'm sure he built in checkdowns into the game plan, both in week nine and yesterday, how do you convince a guy with as much competitive fire as Josh to, Hey, Let's just help your old line out. Let's stay on schedule. Let's check it down when it's there. Live for another down. Let's get in third and two and third and three. Stay away from third and ten and third and twelve. How do how do you work that balance knowing the talent that Josh is and he can make the spectacular plays too? Continually
2: reminding him on the sideline, continually reminding him in the headset, continually talking to him. Hey Josh, you never go broke taking a profit. Hey Josh, touchdown, check down, touchdown, check down. That's how these things go. And a lot of the older quarterbacks in the National Football League, they know this because they've had so much experience, right? They just keep taking what the defense gives you, and then eventually those big plays open up downfield. The issue is this, right? The issue is this. When Josh Allen steps up to the line of scrimmage, you got, you know, Steph Diggs, you got Gabe Davis, you got Isaiah McKenzie, you got uh, a Devin Singletary, you got Dawson Knox, you got all of these weapons, right? You see how the defense responds to your coverage dictator and Stephon Diggs, which this past game, Stephon Diggs had two guys looking at him almost every single play, And when he didn't have two guys looking at him, Josh tried to hit him, Josh hit him, right? And then you had Sauce Gardner, right, who's... I ain't going to lie to you guys, he's playing the best cornerback play of any cornerback in the National Football League right now. I mean, it jumps off of the tape. You had him on Gabe Davis, right? And so it came down to Shakur. It came down to um, Isaiah McKenzie. It came down to those guys having to make plays. And if we want to be the championship team, I know that we can be. In the playoffs, those guys are going to have to make plays because opposing defenses just aren't going to let Stefan Diggs continue to do what he's done all season. So as long as those other guys step up, as long as Ken Dorsey calls a game that maybe, maybe the, maybe those, the plays don't have as many shots downfield. That's also how you talk Josh Allen into taking the check down.
3: What do you think about, you know, the condition of the offense right now? I mean, and people are, you know, kind of, they're kind of, It sounds like they're looking for style points almost. They not only want them to win, Mm -hmm. they want them to win and win big and look good doing it. Um, And the Jet game, it was an ugly game. Bad weather, slow start by both offenses. And, you know, Bills went, go up by 10 and end up winning by eight, or go up by 11 and end up winning by eight. So, uh, you know, what's your thought on where the Buffalo Bills offense is right now and going forward in this last month?
2: Yeah. um, Again, Situational football, we got to get better in, especially when it comes to those short yardage situations, because oftentimes the short yardage run play is to run Josh Allen around the edge, whether it's a quarterback sweep, whether it's a quarterback counter or something like that. But it's very powerful to an opposing defense when you can line up 22 personnel, 21 personnel, which is base personnel, 23 personnel with three tight ends and two backs and be able to just line up and push people off the ball and run the football to go along with that passing game. You know what I'm saying? I love the the condition of the offensive line. I thought Deion Dawkins, I just posted on Instagram how he just completely forklift 91 on Josh Allen's uh, touchdown. When I think run, the yeah. offensive line, I think the offense is good. But to your point about the style points. For whatever reason, our society is like that, right? Just a win ain't good enough. I got to win by three touchdowns. I got to totally dominate. Look, the Jets, and I think Josh Allen said this after the game this is a divisional opponent. They know us. And let's be honest, guys, the Jets have a championship defense. So when you talk about the Jets in this division going forward, you know, in years to come, the Jets, I'm going to be, that's one of those teams I'm going to be scared of in the AFC East.
0: Let's uh, look at the Sunday night game because that involves Buffalo's next opponent, Miami. And over the past two weeks, uh, both D'Amico Ryans, D.C. for San Francisco, and the uh, defensive coordinator for the Chargers, whose name's escaping me right now, both drew it up really, really well. Um, And Tua was flummoxed, to say the least. (laughs) I mean, he's 3 of 17 passing at halftime last night. They can't get a dang thing done, and look, I know that every defensive game plan starts from the inside out, but they flooded the middle of the field with defenders, the Chargers did. They rendered Jalen Waddle a non-factor in this game and challenged Tua to throw it outside the numbers, and he had all sorts of problems. I know some guys say, ah, blueprint, schmoo print, but is there a yes. blueprint out there? based on what San Francisco and the Chargers did the last two weeks to slow down that high-powered Dolphins offense?
2: A couple of different things I've saw from both uh, the Chargers defense um, as well as the San Francisco 49ers defense, and I know D'Amico Ryan's personally a great dude. He will be a head coach in the National Football League, a football savant. Dude is smart as all get out. Played against him in the senior bowl. He hit me at the goal line, prevented me from getting a touchdown, but we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. (laughs) But it seems like what these defenses are doing, look, Tua and this Miami offense is is predicated, the success of it is predicated off timing and anticipation, right? Timing and anticipation. So what do you want to do? You want to throw off that timing and anticipation by putting hands on those receivers, by just muddling, uh, muddying the picture. When I looked at these defensive backs on for the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Chargers, where they would drop at five yards, they dropped more at eight to ten yards. They just muddied the waters for Tua Tonga Valoa and uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wall and Wallen, all of these offensive weapons, right? And when you muddle, when, when you muddy the waters, right, it throws off those that timing and anticipation. This is a very precise passing game. So if Tua gets to his fifth step and he's and, and, and in his, in his head, he has to let the football go, but Tyreek Hill had to deal with something at the line of scrimmage. And then he's trying to get into the middle of the field. And all of the defenders are preventing him from getting into the middle of the field. It's going to look like we saw it look last night. And then, you know, forcing Tua to throw the ball outside the numbers that goes back to that arm strength thing, which we all had questions about Tua Valoa and his arm strength going forward. So, yeah, I know people don't like to believe in blueprints when it comes to players, but for me, until Tua and this Miami offense shows me that he has the arm strength, that they can uh beat press coverage, that they can uh be thrown off from a timing standpoint, they can go to the extra play where he's scrambling around and being explosive with with, with the football, until he shows me that, yeah, there is a blueprint to beat the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa and that's muddying the waters in the middle of the field. What do you think about the Dolphin defense?
3: Last night, their front really showed up and then as the game wore on and the LA Chargers had 74 offensive plays in that game last night and the and the you know, the Dolphins only had like low 50s. Uh, their defensive front in Miami was really playing well. They really did a nice job in, in the early going out against the LA, LA cuz Justin Herbert was getting whacked a lot and he was trying to having to move around. But the Dolphins defense does seem to be legit, particularly Jalen Ramsey and Christian Wilkins. Well, I'm sorry, Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins are really playing well in a high
2: level. They're playing at a real high level in a matchup that I think will determine the outcome of this game is Roger Saffold and Wilkins. Right. I thought Wilkins had a hell of a he's having a hell of a season, uh, quite frankly. I think Roger Saffold is one of the best mauler run blockers in the National Football League. So that matchup is going to be fascinating, uh, fascinating to watch. But when you look at this Miami Dolphins defense, right, they like to pressure you. I think this game is also going to come down to how well our Bills and this Bills offense handles pressure, handles that zero blitz, right? Because see, Miami, what they do is they put six or seven guys on the line of scrimmage, right? It looks like they're all coming, but you have to figure out which guys are coming which guys are dropping and have the right routes to accompany that right if early on in this game if Josh Allen Steph Diggs and this offense can be explosive against that blitz I'm telling you it's going to be a long day for this Miami uh this Miami defense and it'll talk them out of all that blitzing and all that aggressiveness
0: let's um let's just get back to yesterday's game against the Jets quickly here because we'd be remiss if we did not mention the defensive performance uh, okay. by the Bills Greg Rousseau and Matt Milano kind of the tip of the spear in that performance uh, I mean those two guys were just all over the field it seemed Rousseau now with a single season high seven and a half sacks he's already eclipsed his five sacks from his rookie season um, maybe just the, the development of his game that you've witnessed in, in the film that you've watched and then Milano continuing what has been an all pro season yesterday
2: well first of all with Gregory Rousseau, Boogie Basham, um, Epinesa, uh, you can see the influence of Von Miller, especially when the ball is coming at them and they're playing the run. See, Von is not a big guy, right? So Von always played the run when the run came at him as being a slippery guy. I used to hate trying to block Von Miller on the edge of a defense because he was so slippery. He didn't want to have to deal with you. He didn't want to di- have a physical altercation with you. And you can see it in Gregory Rousseau's game, playing the run this year. You can see it in Boogie Basham's game, playing the run this year. And I thought both of those guys did an excellent job. Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, it starts there, guys. It starts at the defensive tackle position. They could not be blocked one-on-one. They could not be blocked one-on-one. And if they continue to play like this, they will continue to have an all all pro types of defense. And now I want to get to my guy, Matt Milano, because I really think he's having a special season, guys. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Bills Mafia fan. I'm a Bills fan. No, like this dude literally talked Mike White out of four or five passes just by his body position just by his presence there was one run he stopped right he had to fill the opposite a gap because y'all had a middle dog cross blitz on him he filled the a gap spinned out of it and was in a position to catch the bat as the bat cut back on the inside zone um he can sack the quarterback he has sacks on the season he has forced fumbles on the season every discipline of defensive football matt milano affects this game, to me, like I said before, he's the glue of this defense. He can rush the passer, he affects pass coverage and everything. He's an all-pro. I mean, he is. He allows Tremaine Edmonds to play just just to go crazy and headhunt and hit anything moving, which, who I think, as he returns, he's he's starting to play a lot better. Just Matt Milano, I can't say enough about him. Uh, he's probably the most important uh, p- uh, part of this defense absent. Of Von Miller. And I'm just excited to see this kid continue to have an all pro season. And if he doesn't get all pro, it should be criminal.
3: I'm going to ask you, too, about the coaching style of Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier and, of course, Ken Dorsey. These guys, we saw them two yeah. weeks ago, or not two weeks ago, but Thursday game, Thursday night game in New England. They just strangled the New England Patriots. They weren't up big, they were up about uh, two scores, but you just had no chance. The, the, the feeling of the game was that. Patriots had no chance to get back in that game because of the quality of offense and the style of offense the Bills went to and the way they played defense in that game as well. And then of course against these Jets the Bills defense was banging Mike White all over the field and Josh Allen they got up, they got up two scores and it seemed like they kind of did the exact same thing. They just started to squeeze the life out of that game and the Jets just ran out of time and opportunities to win it. Um, what do you think about that type of Game management from the coaching staff and the play selection, not only from Leslie Frazier but also Ken Dorsey.
2: Well, first it starts with Brandon Beam, the guy who went grocery shopping that has all the right ingredients in this championship soup that's being cooked up right now by Sean McDermott. So you, you have to start with Brandon beam. I mean, the depth um, from the defensive line, the depth from the secondary, the depth um, from the offensive line, uh, being able to bring guys in uh, bringing in Naheem Hines, guys like that to solidify uh, the return game so that when Josh Allen has a check down, he has speed that he's checking uh, the football down to. So I think it starts with Brandon beam. And then really when I look at this coaching staff where there's Sean McDermott, uh Leslie Frazier, and um Ken Dorsey, these guys seem like they seem like they genuinely like each other. It doesn't seem like nobody's trying to outdo another and and have an ego set upon him. Uh it seems like if if Kim Dorsey knows that the offense is struggling, he knows he can lean on Leslie Frazier. Leslie Frazier knows that, you know, if the if the secondary's banged up, his safeties were banged up a little bit early in the season, we had to lean on the offense to score more points and obviously special teams and and just the in, entire attitude of the team comes from Sean McDermott. I just These guys seem like they genuinely like each other. They seem like they genuinely are in it to win a championship, and there's no ego involved. And when you have that, that's usually when the best versions of yourselves and the best version of your teams come to fruition.
0: All right, let's talk now about the best news of the week. You got yourself in the travel party for the NFL Network aired game on Saturday night, Dolphins at Bills. And uh, I'm going to tell you, Mike, pack, (laughs) pack your boots And get your snow gear out. There's a Lake Effect snowstorm possibility on Saturday night. 60% chance as it stands right now. So keep your weather app open this week and make sure you pack accordingly.
2: I cannot wait, guys. So this is how important this game was to me, guys. First of all, I was supposed to do Thursday night football in Seattle for the Mike Robb Bowl. San Francisco 49ers, (laughs) they drafted me, right? Right. I won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks, right? right? And I was going to be in Seattle to raise the 12th man flag, right? Getting Getting everybody hype on Amazon Prime, all of that, right? They told me some weather was coming. I talked to the network. I knew we were going to be in Buffalo. they said it was an there was a chance I could miss flight, miss my flight, and not get into Buffalo. I said the hell with the Mike Robbo man, I got to go see Josh Allen. I got to go see this Buffalo Bills Mafia and the Bills Mafia up close to personal at Highmark Stadium. I'm interviewing Josh Allen tomorrow. We'll we'll save that for Saturday. But at the end of the day, guys, I'm pumped up. Fans scream loud. Bring your tables out. I just might jump off, jump off, and jump on a table. I can't wait. Oh, All that'll right,
3: be good. I can't. We can't wait. What? May, try and get you <laughs> just come in and say hi to us at least. Uh, yeah. As you're here on the weekend, and uh, hope you enjoy your visit. Saturday games are unique because you got that. You know, the next day is different than it usually is a Monday, right? So. Uh, yeah, I hope. I don't know. I, I, I Yes. W- mind your manners when you're here. That's all I can say because it, it could get out of hand really hurt in a big hurry here.
2: Don't hurt yourself it's on the all table, good. man. I know you did want a training I'm ready. camp, but. I'm ready. Right. I'm ready. I did my stretching. I got my stretch area over there. I did my cold tub bath later. I'm going to do my cold tub bath this week. I'm ready for that table. Bills Mafia stand all the way up. Let's get it, guys.
0: All right, Mike. All right, Thanks right, Mike. for uh, joining us. We'll see you out here later in the week. Thank
2: you, guys. Let's get it. See you guys later.
0: All right, that's NFL Network analyst Michael Robinson joining us as he does every week to talk the latest Bills you know, matchup. It's, it's
3: probably, I mean, it's probably a, in the big scheme. It's probably a good thing that the weather's going to be really, really bad, because if can you imagine if it that's was called se- karma? Steve. Yeah, right. If it was seventy-five and sunny this weekend for a Saturday night game in Buffalo, that's never happening. That in is December.
0: that is the that's a perfect storm right there. Right now, 60% chance of snow on Saturday night. The low is 28 degrees. I don't have a wind forecast yet, but I can look it up when we take a break. Um, Or if you want to hit up weather.com or something and get the 10-day forecast or the the end-of-the-week forecast, that's fine. Uh, But there is is an opportunity brewing for another lake effect snow event. Uh, There is going to be snow or at least a 60% chance of it on Saturday night. We just don't know what the severity level is in terms of the snowfall rates, the snowfall accumulation amounts. So we'll have to wait and see on that. The other thing that we didn't even talk to Mike Rob about was the Dolphins spent the entire week out on the West Coast. They lost both games. They probably touched down in Miami at about 6.30 in the morning today from last night's game. Tyreek Hill has an ankle injury. Their running back, Jeff Wilson, has a hip injury. He did not return. Tyreek Hill kind of managed his way through the game. So they're, they're back in Miami, <clears throat> and before they know it, they're going to be traveling on Friday. Right. So they they got a short week. And I told They're you losing this.
3: practice time on the field. And I told you this. Think about it. They were in the, on the West Coast for a week. So you show up. Yeah. So can you imagine being a guy with a wife and family or a girlfriend or whoever you're living with back down in South Florida? You're gone for a week, and you flop down at like 6 a.m. this morning after being gone a week, want to do nothing but go to sleep, got to go to work, don't have time. You know, you got stuff. You got you to gotta get your mail.
0: <laughs> you, got, you know what I mean? But stuff like that. It's it gets in the way. Well, you've left your significant other with full responsibilities top to bottom and on the to do list for the right. last seven days. So, what
3: happens when you land? Actually, you go, no, hey. last nine days. Right.
0: And so, when you
3: land, you got to say, listen, hey, glad you're back. Pick up the slack here, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I, maybe your wife's different than mine. Uh, no. Let you go take a nap when you get back from a week long vacation. Yeah, probably not. No. So, I. It's it's going to be a rough week for Miami, and I'm not saying that you know they have no shot at playing well, but man, oh man, it's a tough. I've you know I remember doing it. You come back and man, 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 oh man, it's a belly flop getting back into your normal life after being gone for a week out on the west coast. And you said you know I, I got some weather a weather thing here Saturday. Yes, twenty five low of seventeen, high of twenty five, twenty four percent chance on this app, and it's weather is wind is southwest at twelve miles an hour, which is okay crucial because the wind is the
0: that's manageable is the wind.
3: issue um high of 25 overcast cloudy skies low of 17 at night um 73 percent humidity <laughs> so yeah, moist, might
0: moist air uh, might snow moist air is yeah that usually and at 17 degrees precipitation yeah,
3: yeah moist air in 17 and 17 degrees and not
0: only that the lake is still pretty warm they said the lake's going to be somewhere in the mid forties. Yeah, southwest which is which caters towards snowmaking. The southwest wind.
3: means it's coming right up through uh, the south towns here so we'll see um that's what it looks like right now
0: I, i'm sure it'll change a couple of times between now and saturday but
3: yeah it's going to be it's going to be cold yeah it's going to be cold
0: all right we are going to take a break here when we come back it's time to go around the locker room as we hear from some of the players that maybe didn't make it to the post-game lectern in the media room last night. We'll pass some of those along to you next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live on this Bills Victory Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and it's time for Around the Locker Room, presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. And we begin with Josh Allen, who offered some commentary not only on the fourth and one call that worked to perfection getting the jets to jump off sides but the touchdown pass that both involved the bills tight end dawson Knox.
2: i thought it was a heck
3: of a call and I'm just glad we got it that's uh those are the good ones i think we scored on that drive too so did we yeah yeah, yeah.
1: That was my the touchdown yeah.
3: That yeah. again uh guys doing their job um he gets a to jump off sides and the ends with the touchdown. And obviously ran a heck of a route and made a, a, a heck of a Superman heroic performance type dive there to get in. So um, again, guys just want
2: to just want to win football games. here.
0: Yeah. I mean, you got to love it when a play call like that works as well. <laughs> oh <my laughs> I mean, gosh. They didn't get him to jump. Guy took a flying leap over the line of scrimmage. They bought it, man. What can
3: you Hook, say? Line and Hook, sinker. line, and sinker. My man. favorite part. We're going nuts over that.
0: That was great. And that's always so fun when you. When so, it works. So I don't know if our guys <clears throat> in the control room have this, but I saw it on Twitter last night. Not only was Dawson Knox celebrating, giving guys high fives. Did you see Isaiah McKenzie after C.J. Mosley jumped off sides? I did not. He is literally getting down. He is, like, dancing and doing, like, the first down <laughs> signal. <laughs> Is he on the, the field, yeah, he's on the field. Oh, oh he's on the field. He's lined up. There he is. Watch, 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 Isaiah McKenzie here. Our MSG viewers are watching this. He is so excited about this. It's like a Trey <laughs> White first down. <laughs> <man. laughs>
3: Good job, it guys. Fe- listen, oh when you, my God, when you absolutely I am not get surprised him, at all. when you get him on a discipline hold your water play. When you yeah, you trick him. It feels so good because it's you know it's it's not a hard play no nope, you don't have to do anything yeah all you have to do is let them make a mistake and it just feels so good that so to, g-
0: that had to grind <laughs> Robert Sala's gears like nothing oh, else man. especially when the fresh set of downs winds up in a touchdown for the Bills it's just like Gah! yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not gonna be having fun watching that in film today uh, other people who Turned in good performances on the defensive side of the ball. Would include one Daquan Jones, who I will submit has been a horse for this defense this season. He has been, from front to back, a horse for that defensive front. Uh, and just seems to show up at the right times. Got the fumble recovery after the sack strip by Greg Rousseau yesterday. Led to a field goal Here is Daquan Jones on the play of the defensive line and how they had an inspired performance after learning just this past week they've lost Vaughn Miller for the season.
1: It's tough when you lose a a player like Vaughn, obviously, right? um, But at the same time, we're all very confident in our ability to go out there and and affect the passer and and stop the run. And um, just to see everyone this week kind of like, you know, put the extra effort in and go into the meeting and watch more film and stay longer and just do the little stuff, right? Oh, uh, I think it showed up a, a lot today. How much of a confidence builder is to see the results, reap the rewards of the work, and, and see one week in, or I guess two now, how you guys can look without following? I mean, it's huge. I mean, I, I, I think it gives everyone again this confidence going into next week and knowing that we can go out there and do this, especially for the young guys. And I'm just happy they all went out there and played well today, and you know we got the win, and now on to Miami.
0: On to Miami, um, he's just been a rock solid presence. I think he's maybe the most underrated off-season acquisition on the roster um yeah. i think he's been dynamite i mean he's been one <laughs> he really of the most consistent good. players in that front seven and he's been available it, yeah knock on wood find yeah, some right. wood right away right. with the way right. this season's been going
3: right um yeah i I think so too i think it's, he's um i like to i gotta say this i like that he's wearing red sleeves you know i like, you know, Judon in New England wears those red sleeves. Oh yeah. Daquan's got the red sleeves on. It's easy to find. You know exactly who he is without looking at the numbers. Um it's amazing how you notice that kind of stuff. But the uh the fumble recovery yesterday and the fact that he he holds his ground on the when on the line of scrimmage, if not pushing it and controlling the line of scrimmage and pushing it back on the offensive side of the ball as a defensive tackle has been so huge this year. You've yeah. had Tim Settle doing it, you've had Daquan doing it, you've had Philip Jordan Phillips doing it, as well as Ed. Ed's playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage like never before. Just an, an enormous difference for this defense everywhere, uh, not just for those two inside linebackers, but
0: also for the ends coming off the edges. It's, those guys down inside have been a big difference. I country. noticed him settle multiple times yesterday, just getting penetration, tackle for loss, uh, spilling a running play wider than the Jets had right. it designed. You know, and then the linebackers just get up there and clean up. Um, Yeah, I noticed Tim settle yesterday, Daquan Jones, and Oliver, obviously, with that monster hit on White. Um, Yeah, those guys inside did a heck of a job. And in the absence of Jordan Phillips, who was out with a shoulder injury yesterday. Yeah, the,
3: the hits on Mike White were massive. And I liked them, too, because they were great because they were clean. They were well below his head and had huge velocity, Matt Milano looked. He ran right through him, and the first – it was like, ooh. I didn't really – you didn't notice it because you followed the ball. He lets it go, and it falls
0: weak and very short of its target, and you go back and look at the replay, and it's like, oh. Yeah, there was a collective ooh in the press box after they watched it on replay. I saw it in real time because I was looking through my binoculars, and I tend to focus – on certain players, like I don't always watch the ball. I try to focus on certain things, and uh, I watched that thing. and Mike White looked like a folding chair, and he folded up and almost folded in half. The first thing I thought of, I was like, Milano looked like that magician cut sawing a woman in half. He almost <laughs> sawed him in half.
3: Yeah, it was. It was. I, I can't believe he caught he, him at the at the most vulnerable moment too. Right as you yeah. release the football, yeah, his arms over his head, his, his arms, whole midsection. is yeah, he's exposed. all exposed, and and he's also. He's moving towards where he's throwing it. His upper body's kind of going forward as Milano's
0: hitting him below, and oof. And he took out two Jets on that play because he hurt George Fant on the follow-through. He got his legs tied up with him and rolled up on Fant's leg a little bit. He left the game for a while as well. It was a sick hit, man. And it and it, it well, White had to leave. Yeah. He did come back to and his on credit, the- and incidentally, there is an update on Mike White, Robert Sala. Already gave his uh, Monday press conference to the New York media, and he said that Mike White is listed as day-to-day, which is hard to believe. He he characterized the injury as sore ribs, and he said they are preparing as if they will have Mike White for their game this coming Sunday at MetLife Stadium against the Detroit Lions. And I know they lost. I don't know how you play anybody
3: over there except Mike White. You're going back to Zach Wilson. You're not going to let Joe Flacco on on the field. Mike White is, to me, their only option, certainly their best option. Uh, That guy's got to be ready.
0: Here's the advantage, though, when you do play Mike White, because if your coverage can hold up on the back end for those first two seconds of a play, you know where Mike White is going to be. I mean, he operates from the pocket. Very rarely... Does he move, and as we've said even with Greg Cosell when we've had him on the past two weeks, make a second reaction play? He is not a guy that's going to make plays off script. Defensive players know where he is going to be. It's going to be in the pocket. I mean, he didn't even step up in the pocket a whole lot. Uh, He drops back, and that's where he is. That's an advantage for defensive players when you know where the quarterback is going to be, and the Bills will have that again this week with Tua. Because he doesn't move around a whole lot. Yeah, he did a nice
3: job. Tua did a much better job last night of avoiding pressure. He ran for a couple of first downs, and they noted too, and and rightfully so. He was probably very reticent to run the football over the last month and a half since he was concussed concussed once. Uh, (laughs) Finger quotes. So... Last night was the first time they had seen him do that uh, uh, in a while, so he's
0: obviously feeling a little bit better about where his where he's at physically. We wrap up around the locker room with one Deion Dawkins. Had a rough day at the office yesterday, but I would surmise that Deion Dawkins is not 100%. So got flagged for a couple of holding calls yesterday, and uh, he was asked about improving the offensive output going forward after a twenty point performance against the jets we got to win with beating
2: ourselves and uh... we're like we're going to learn from, from it like we hate when we beat ourselves and when it's when it's ugly but as any competitor does like like we're competitors you know like we're out there to, to win things go good and sometimes and things and go bad and uh... we understand that that we're far and from perfect but the good thing is that tomorrow you know like we can get in and craft it up and try to you know make it just that much better for this this upcoming Saturday.
0: And if that is not the same exact messaging that comes out of the mouth of Sean McDermott, I don't know what is. It's all about daily self-improvement. Even if you incrementally improve your play from one day to the next in the practice setting, by the time they get to Saturday night, this team is committed particularly on offense after this last performance to tighten some things up from an execution standpoint and a fundamental standpoint. That is what Sean McDermott laid out in his post-game press conference. And that is what you heard Deion Dawkins lay out there in that comment.
3: Yeah. And it's, uh, and Mike Robb said it in the last segment, you know, it's you're always looking for what you don't want to go out and beat like every team, like the bills were able to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers this year by, you know, 38 to three or the Titans forty-one-seven, the Rams thirty-one-ten, because you start to get complacent about how difficult it is to win. You forget that you got you know, you're going to get hit in the mouth sooner or later. Um, wins like this are good to keep. It keeps guys heads down, their noses on the grindstone, and they just trust the process. And that's where you've got to stay, particularly this deep into the regular season when
0: and with another division <clears throat> game coming up. Yeah,
3: and. Uh, well, we said it two two weeks ago before the Thursday game in New England. These next three games are absolutely critical to the success of their season. They got two of them down. They got two wins, um, four wins in a row now as well. Cleveland, Detroit, Patriots, and the Jets, four wins in a row. Um, it's been a really, really good stretch, but they got to keep it going. And and this one might winning be the, the way they Yeah, winning the way they did, uh, it's a good signal that they're going to have to
0: do just that. We will take a break here. When we come back, we're going to discuss another team that kind of had wins of this variety that everybody expected to be a juggernaut and wasn't. We'll let you know who that team was in the 2021 season next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. We will pass along to you that uh, head coach Sean McDermott will probably address this to some degree Um, when he addresses the media later this afternoon. But ESPN's Jeremy Fowler is reporting that the Bills got positive news on right guard Ryan Bates. Uh, As you know, he left the game with an ankle injury yesterday, did not return. Greg Van Roten came in for him and played the rest of the game. According to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, Ryan Bates suffered a low ankle sprain. It is not a high ankle, so he will rehab, obviously, on a short week. But the good news is it's not expected to be a long term issue, as we've seen with Jake Kumaro, right. with Greg <clears throat> Rousseau, who missed a couple of games with a high ankle. So, low ankle sprain is the diagnosis for Ryan Bates, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Uh, in an effort to revisit the victory by the Bills yesterday, which for some people didn't have enough style points to be satisfied. I will submit this to you, Steve, and tell me if you can kind of go along with it to a certain extent. The Bills uh, have won four games in a row. Each passing week, their point total has dropped. 31, 28, 24, 20. Wins throughout, nonetheless. And people are like, ah, this isn't the same Bills team. I'll tell you right now, everybody in the Bills locker room would tell you, yeah, you're right, it's not. Because it's a different year. And that's what Coach McDermott says. Every yeah. year is different. Yeah. There was a team that was kind of notching wins, not nearly as impressive as they had the year prior. You know what team that was last year? It was the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Remember through the regular season, they were just kind of they, they beat the Cowboys nineteen to nine. They beat the Broncos twenty two to nine. They beat the Chargers 34-28, tight game. Um, lost to Cincinnati 34-31 and then won their season finale over the Broncos 28-24. Then they got to the postseason. Ripped off 42 against Pittsburgh and and beat them. Beat the Bills in overtime with 42 points before falling to the Bengals in the AFC title game. I guess my point here is, I'm not saying the Bills are disinterested in regular season football. They're just finding a way in some cases to get through it and get the yeah, win. Yeah,
3: I think that's too that – one of the things about it is you,
0: you, would got, you Would you kind of compare those two a little yeah, bit? I
3: hate to go down this road because it doesn't, it doesn't shine a very good light on maybe what I'm about to say. But I, I know back in the day when this old guy was doing it, we – had so many of the exact same guys on the team that they had this burning desire not to go on the road in the playoffs. And certainly Steph Diggs and Josh Allen and, you know, Milano and Edmonds and all these guys. they guys that have been here for a right. while. But Saffold and Kessenberry and Settle and, you know, Jordan Phillips and the rest of the guy. You know, there's a ton of guys on this team and the, all the rookies, you know, there's a ton of guys on this team that are like, man, I'm just happy, man. We're gonna we're in the we're gonna win the division, right? Uh, I don't know that it permeates every single guy in the locker room this home field advantage thing, like it does the guys who went through the 13 second game last year and through the game bef- the year before that when it was the AFC Championship game, um,
0: or even the year before that when the, they that's dropped the 16 to seven. That's in right. Houston.
3: So there's a lot of there's some guys on this team that that know that man home playoff games are a gift. Uh, You know, ask the Colts and the Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens how tough it is to walk in here and win. Over the last three years, none of those teams could do it.
0: Yeah, Bills are three and zero in their own building. It's important,
3: but you but like you said, and it's really true. We say it every year, and I said it at the end of last year after that thirteen second game. It's too bad because this was a fun team, great team. It's gone.
0: Yeah, it's not going to be the same. It's the next gone, year.
3: man. Dayball's gone. Beasley's gone. You know, all these guys. You know, Emmanuel Sanders is gone.
0: Starla Tula. Lake. Starla Tula.
3: You know, all these guys. And they go down the list. So it's a very different group of guys, even though you got a, you know a lot of the same cast of characters at key positions, of course. But it's a different vibe, different voices, different, you know, emotion that goes through the, the locker room. So it's not like you carry, everybody in the locker room carries this scar tissue with them from year to year.
0: Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention with respect to the standings, which should not go unnoticed. The Bills not only have the best record in the AFC at 10-3. and 3, Yes, the Chiefs have the same record, but the Bills have the head-to-head tiebreaker, as we've mentioned. Buffalo also has the best record in the conference. They're 7-2. In AFC conference games, now obviously they have three remaining. They've got the Dolphins this week, and then they have the Bengals and the Patriots. But if the Bills are somehow able to win their remaining conference games, they would finish 10-2 and two in the conference.
3: They're a tough out, man. That is.
0: They're a tough out. That's
3: impressive. And, I, and well, even if they, if they finish nine be, and three, Steve, it, it in will the be because they got if the the team that you got to worry about is obviously the Bengals sitting out. Yeah. there. Yeah, that's on the road Monday. Monday night. Monday night football, and the Bills may well be favored in that game. And you never want to bet against a home underdog on a Monday night game. Yeah, they're tough, especially to beat. a team that can put up points like the Bengals. Right uh, now, they've got some guys hurt, but that's three weeks away. There's plenty yeah. of time for them to get. Healthy. It that. doesn't
0: look like Trey Hendrickson, though, is going to be back until the postseason. They're talking about his injury being a little bit longer term. He broke his wrist yesterday. Um, Ouch. And I, and I think it was even under friendly fire as two guys met at the quarterback. So him and his teammate. Defensive met at the quarterback. Lineman,
3: I mean, you talk, I mean, I played with a busted, I played with a broken thumb i broken fingers a multitude of times. I also had a broken uh, arm, one of the bones in my forearm. And it was, I was out, I
0: think two. Two games. Yeah.
3: But that's not really a wrist. A
0: defensive lineman uh, needs but, his hands. Right.
3: Yeah, but can he, can he play? Will he have the use of his fingers?
0: Oh, to grab to and grab, move and Or will it be
3: one of those club kind of things we've yeah, seen we in know, the past. Yeah, we don't know. But that's he broke question. his
0: wrist. So, yeah. And that's. That's arguably their best pass rusher. Um, that's a problem. It is a problem. Um, obviously, they're, they're in good shape. You know, they're 9-4. and four. They still don't lead their division. Baltimore has the tiebreaker over them right now, so Cincinnati is sitting in the 5-hole for the playoff seedings right now, entering Week 15. They are on a tear, but T. Higgins had a hamstring injury yesterday. Tyler Boyd went out with an injury yesterday as well. And then, as I mentioned, Trey Hendrickson, their best pass rusher, went out with a broken wrist, and the word out of Cincinnati is probably not back until the postseason. So that would mean he would miss the Week 17 game against the Bills.
3: And he would like to think that it would come back, you know, even out uh, within the year. Um, Maybe the – yeah, and the Bills certainly have this year evened out the injury bug that they kind of escaped
0: for a year. Let's hope so. We have to take a break here. When we return, we'll be joined by Bill's radio color analyst, Eric Wood, who will give us his thoughts on his view from the booth of Sunday's win over the Jets. Next, here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio.